What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, June 9th, 2020, and this is A Talk in the Attic. I'm your host, Kirk Ross, and I'm so grateful that you've chosen me as one of your vocal guides as we find ourselves sashaying right into the end times. You could have chosen anybody to ease you into the apocalypse, but yet here you are with me. Thank you. Look, part of me, a big part of me, in fact, wants to commit to this theme that we're in the end times. But that's not what we need right now, is it? We don't need me pointing out that we're in the middle of cataclysmic events of literal biblical proportions. We've got a literal viral plague. We've got massing flooding. We've got locusts in India. We've got police in riot gear and burned out cop cars. Uh, hello, this is Clark Cloud at the Attic Weather Desk with an emergency alert for all surrounding areas. This appears to be a high-pressure cell moving quickly into our Doppler systems. And folks, if you're not sitting down already, please find a seat. I'm, I'm not sure how to say this, but the storm's precipitation is abnormal. For what starts as rain will quickly turn into hail before ultimately, before ultimately becoming frogs. That's right, frogs will begin falling from the sky around 8 p.m. tonight. This is it. Straight out of Exodus in the Old Testament. Please take immediate shelter or risk facing the reckoning. This is Clark Cloud signing off from the attic weather desk one last time. Oh, come on, Clark. You got to do your famous sign-off line, please, just for me. This is Clark Cloud reminding all you fanatics out there to hope for the sun. But stay. Stay breezy. Wow. Thank you, Clark. That uh, that was nothing if not self-indulgent. Honestly, I worry about Clark's mental health at times. He's hanging on, but, but barely. But is it really that crazy to think that we're maybe in the end times? It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Especially with the exaggerated air quotes leader, a.k.a. Antichrist figure at the helm. Don't you just kind of wish that he'd own it at this point? I mean, talk about the most insecure, ill-equipped leader of all time. Perfect for Armageddon. But let's move on. My guests from last Friday, Charles and Kenyatta, were awesome. And they were open when they came on and shared their unfiltered view of the civil rest through their perspectives. I urge you to check out their episode and to understand life through their lens, at least just for a while. Much love, Charles and Kenyatta. My guest this week will provide another black perspective through the lens of my dear friend Collins Moore. Collins was a standout wide receiver at Ole Miss before a couple of injuries derailed his intention to play at the NFL level, but he's since built his own successful personal training business out in Houston, where he's also highly active in the peaceful protests happening there. Super excited to have Collins on this upcoming Friday. Thank you to the Michigan Podcasting Network. Thank you to Joe Jenneman for the theme song. And now that we're through the administrative stuff, now that I've gotten the end times talk out of my system, let's start the show.
the scene. Saginaw Valley State University Black Box Theater circa 2004 action. The day I married Sarah, it was so hot you could have fried an egg on the hood of my truck. Must have been 105, 106, maybe. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I think I messed up. Can we please start over real quick? This is my first time performing. I didn't know the audience would be so big. And these lights, I mean, I think there's something wrong. I mean, possibly a fire hazard. They're so hot. To quote my character in the play, these spotlights are so hot you could have fried an egg on them. It's okay, the director told me. Relax, you'll do fine. Start again. Action. The day I met Sarah, it was so hot you could have fried an egg on the hood of my truck. Must have been 105, 106, maybe. And I remember... It is hereby declared this flashback has reached its conclusion. That was an exact retelling of how my first ever stage acting experience began. Who am I kidding? How my first and only stage acting experience started. Afterwards, I remember laughing about it with my co-star and friend Ryan Bills. How in the world did we find ourselves performing a short dramatic piece in a master's level theater course? I recall telling him, I mean, if we could go back five days and look into a crystal ball, our minds would have been blown at what we would have seen. So how did I, an engineering student with no acting experience, and Ryan, a student from a different school, end up in this position? Acting seriously dramatic lines out in front of experienced theater rats. How did this entirely exhilarating experience manifest and so quickly out of the blue? Well, allow me to explain. In the winter of 2004, I was enrolled in a general ed course, Theater 128B, a course that helped meet an arts requirement, and despite my apparent zest for the arts now, I was a very different version of myself back then, so I was very much treating this class like an arts requirement and nothing more. But there was more to passing Theater 128B than just passively making it through. 20% of the overall grade was to be based on your fulfillment of meeting 20 hours of participation in something theater-related at SVSU, or 20 theater hours, as they were called. And theater hours were ambiguous ones, defined loosely, if at all. I'd heard throughout the semester that sign-up sheets were available in the arts building. Get in there and sign up for your theater hours, y'all, Professor Roberts exclaimed. And as was in my nature back then, well, who am I kidding? As is still in my nature, I procrastinated on the fulfillment of these 20 theater hours until the week before finals. Look, whatever these theater hours are exactly doesn't really matter. I'm sure I could squeeze 20 of them into the week before finals. Besides, Kirk, your finals are just mostly ridiculously complex applied math problems. 2004, Kirk, if I could just get a minute with you, woohoo, boy, could I teach you a couple things. Long story short... Most of you are thinking, long story short, I mean, get on with it already, but long story short, I waited until the week prior to final exams before I finally moseyed on down to the arts building to check out these purported sign-up sheets I'd heard so much about. A few actors were lounging around by the sign-up sheets. They made me nervous. I imagine they were thinking to themselves, look at this big jock, probably just a theater 128 newbie. In reality, they didn't even notice me. A small line of other procrastinators had formed behind the sign-up sheets as I nervously bided my time to the front. All these cool art students looking at me and judging me. Ugh, and this was 2004. So staring into my iPhone to bury my fears wasn't an option, but that doesn't mean I didn't try. Probably checking the five-day forecast on my LG VX8000 flip phone. In what seemed like an eternity or just enough time to load one page of weather on my phone, I was in front of the line. 
when what to my phone-fatigued eyes should appear, but no spots remaining on these sign-up sheets here. Frantically, I searched behind the sheets. Surely there are some blanks somewhere on here. Oh no, I thought. There are no theater hours left. Whatever they are, they're in short supply. Suddenly, I could hear Professor Roberts warning that once they're filled, they're filled. I giggled and nervously peered around. The cool theater students who had been silently judging before were were now bursting into laughter, at least in my mind. (laughs) Theater 128 newbie. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, my procrastinating ways had caught up to me. I thought the sign-up sheets were full. There went 20% of my grade. There went my cumulative GPA. Great, I thought. Now I'm going to lose my scholarship. I'll have to move back home, live with my mom and dad, probably start smoking pot and lifting weights in their garage. Maybe start an indie rock project in which I mumble about my failures over a single note played continuously on my Casio keyboard. Then maybe I'll drive off a bridge somewhere. Just looking. Every negative thought you could imagine was circling in my mind. Theater 128 newbie. <laughs> Surely I was doomed. When suddenly from the group of mocking villains I had created in my head emerged a stout bearded man. His rotund midsection was plastered with a lime green golf shirt. Khaki cargo pants made their way down to a pair of Chaco sandals atop white socks. I heard angels sing as this Jack Black-looking figure approached me. Pure white light blasted from all around him as he floated to me and he said, Hi, I'm Jake Smokovitz, and I think I could help you. Jake Smokovitz, you perfectly unkempt, round little angel. How did you know, I thought. I couldn't help but notice that you, uh, you look like you might have missed the boat on theater hours. They've already got the set from The Temptest pretty much completely torn down, and finals are next week, so, yeah, I said, I, I'm signed up for four hours of strike for this weekend, but that's it. Do you know how I might score some more theater hours, I asked? Well, I think today is your lucky day because I have just the part for you. Looking back on this, it kind of sounds like how so many of the scenes that probably played out in Harvey Weinstein's office started. I mean, one day in Saginaw Valley's theater wing, and I'm already being bamboozled by a producer type. It's your lucky day because I needed a man of your stature. See, I knew they were calling me a big jock. For my capstone project and my directing 600 master's class. Okay, Jake, now you got my attention. What do I got to do? Well, you'd have to act in a short scene called Electric Roses, he said. You'd have to learn a few lines and follow basic blocking, but that's it. Plus, I'm sure Professor Roberts will definitely give you full theater hours if you're in it. Well, hot dog, Jake, full theater hours approved by Professor Roberts himself? Let's do this thing. Oh, and one more thing. Do you know anyone else who would want to be in it? You know what? Yeah, Jake, I know just the guy. And just like that, my devilishly handsome friend Ryan Bills and I were cast as part of Electric Roses. And we had exactly five days to prepare. Look, it didn't take a great deal of thought to understand that just as I procrastinating on signing up for theater hours, this alleged master's level theater student had procrastinated too. I mean, five days before your capstone directorial project and you're lounging around looking for theater 128B newbies? He didn't even ask if I'd had experience. He didn't even have anything prepared. He was just hanging around in sandals and socks. But he did luck out, however, in the fact that while I was inexperienced, I was and still am always willing to go all into something new. And because I had access to one of the great theater pupils in recent Garber High School history and Ryan Bills. Yeah, that Ryan Bills. 
The same Ryan Bills who, like Kevin Bacon, played Red McCormick in Garber's performance of Footloose. Jake Smokovitz ultimately proved to be a poor director, as his last-minute casting methods had initially intimated. I mean, he was a no-show at two of the four practices, including the first one. So Ryan and I, and the only other cast member, just three of us, known in the scene as Sarah, blocked the whole scene ourselves. Dude literally left his capstone master scene to us. A regular Martin Scorsese over here. Despite my lack of acting experience, Jake demanded that I played the lead based purely on the character's physical descriptions. What that meant in this particular scene was that I was responsible for delivering long monologues for about 90% of the runtime with small scattered discussions between Ryan and Sarah in the middle. Their lines were things like, you okay? And yeah, I guess. Exchanges like, when? And I don't know. Then it'd cut back to me and I'd go on and on about all of my life's regrets for a couple minutes. Ryan and I rehearsed for hours over those five days of prep time, and before long, I had all the lines memorized. Ryan did too. The ever laissez-faire director Smokovitz gave us free reign on wardrobe, big surprise, which I enjoyed immensely. My particular costume consisted of tight lead jeans with holes in the knees, an American flag do-rag, a cut-off flannel shirt, and a leather vest over that. Meanwhile, Ryan wore a leather jacket and jeans. Before we knew it, it was showtime which in this case was 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning, not exactly prime time, but we were up early, working our lines one more time. We drove up to the theater and headed inside. Our scene, Electric Roses, was slated to go third, which I felt was perfect. That'll give me a little bit of time to get a feel for the room. In a literal sense, the room was intimidating. It was called the black box because it was a black box, a small stage on the floor in the center of this small room with tiered seating on each side piled directly on the stage. The whole room is painted black. A couple of spotlights round out the Spartan setup. In a figurative sense, the room was also intimidating. These were experienced theater students who likely expected strong performances in these 600-level capstone scenes. But I was relaxed, and Ryan helped me stay calm. Plus, we were in the number three slot anyway, so we were just members of the audience to start. The first scene started up, and with just a few seconds, I was enthralled. This particular scene featured just two actors, one playing the priest and the other playing a victim of rape at that very priest's hand. And in the scene, the priest was being aggressively confronted through the confessional screen. It was, shall I say, intense. And the acting was phenomenal. I was completely immersed in this performance. The lead actress was so emotional when she screamed at Father Philip that he'd ruined her innocence. I wanted to reach through the confessional divider and strangle that disgusting Father Philip myself. And scene. Suddenly the scene was over. I was no longer mesmerized by the saga. I was just an ill-prepared, inexperienced big jock who had about 10 minutes before he got up in the center of this black box theater and embarrassed himself. And maybe even ruined this terrible director's final grade. Ryan, Ryan, let's go. We, 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 we gotta go, I stammered tapping Ryan as the audience gave a well-deserved standing ovation. Go where? We can't just leave. Oh, I don't know. Let's just go in the cafeteria and we can read over our lines a couple more times. He agreed. I mean, he had just seen that performance too. I am being 100% honest when I say that I ended up using a black Sharpie to write opening lines to a few of my more difficult monologues on my hand. Just as cues to get me going and only if necessary, of course. Before long, we heard another roar from the audience. Probably another great performance, and now we were up. 
action. The day I met Sarah, it was so hot you could have fried an egg on the hood of my truck. Must have been 105, 106 maybe. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I think I messed up. Can we start over? I looked down at my hand to see that the black Sharpie had run all over my jeans as a result of the sweat from the giant spotlights and my intense panic. We ultimately got through the scene, not without a couple more issues. In the scene, I was sitting in jail lamenting that my ex Sarah, who had just had me arrested for domestic violence, and so I would have to go through these long monologues before cutting to another location where Ryan and Sarah would make small talk. But my monologues were based on their small talk. So at times, Ryan and Sarah repeated the same small talk, so I repeated the same monologue, which prompted them to go into the same small talk, and the cycle went on and on and on. I mean, frankly, with a little directing, it might have been just as spellbinding as a confessional scene. And before I conclude this story and get to the lesson that I learned from it, I want to tell you one more little tidbit from that fateful day in the black box. After the scene, which drew sporadic and modest clapping. (laughs) Far less supportive than the raucous standing ovations of previous scenes, there was a short Q&A session among the audience and the instructor, the director, and us cast members. We might have known to expect that this Q&A session was coming had we not been scrambling at the vending machines just a few moments earlier. The first, and to my recollection, only positive note to director Smokovitz and his performance of Electric Roses was that his casting was magnificent. One female student raved, I mean, this guy in jail, I really believe that he's an abusive loser. He just looks like it. And the James Dean looking guy over here is perfect as the handsome shoulder to cry on for this poor battered woman. I mean, for real, that was the comment that I look like an abusive loser. I mean, uh, I guess thanks. Ryan and I got through the Q&A and bolted immediately, skipping the final two performances out of shame. But when the dust settled later that morning, something became very evident to both of us. What in the hell was that, I remember saying. The reality is we walked into something completely spontaneously, with no preparation, with no vision, and above all else, with no expectations. And the result of this lack of expectations... We had an absolute blast. To this day, one of the most memorable events of my life. I felt nervous and ill-prepared, but I felt alive and present too. Five days before stumbling our way through Electric Roses and all of its terrible dialogue, Ryan and I were just a couple of roommates looking forward to Christmas break. We had no expectations of our big scene coming up. How could we? We didn't even know about it. And as a direct result of having no expectations, we had a blast. And that's a lesson that I continue to learn to this day. Have you noticed this lesson coming around in your life? Personally, in time leading up to events, I have a tendency to build these ideas up of of how things are going to go. I tend to build up expectations of how other people will behave or react, of how certain moments will unfold. But when things inevitably and immediately derivate from my expectation, there's a natural feeling of disappointment that things went awry and that these people aren't acting the right way, that this moment didn't go down as planned. And with this disappointment comes a dark cloud that can overshadow a day that without all of my expectations would have been perfect. Things go, after all, the way that they go. And while planning and preparation are important means of controlling outcomes, they can also prove vital in constraining the amount of enjoyment or growth that we might otherwise have gotten from a more spontaneous adventure. Let's think back to Electric Roses again for a moment. Had I known Jake Smokovitz was the world's worst director, 
Had I known the Black Bots was the most intimidating venue of all time, had I known that we'd have future Tony Award-winning performances immediately preceding and following our amateur turns, basically, had I had expectations, I would have never agreed to participate. But because I went with it, and because I had no expectations, it remains to this day an all-time favorite memory of mine. Another example, Jessica and I have been staying around home base for a few months now, as has most of the world. And that means that we've got very clear expectations every single day. After all, there's not a ton of spontaneity to be had when when we're confined to our living rooms. So last weekend, after a hard day's worth of work in our yard, removing an old concrete structure, Jessica and I went to the dump to rid ourselves of the material and to provide a new life for this material through recycling. She had never been to the dump, and when you're made to stay home for three months, even the dump sounds like a fun trip, and she came. And I gotta tell you, and I'm not joking here, it was one of the best dates we've had in months. I mean, it was one of the few dates we'd had in recent months, but it was one of the best dates we'd had in months. We ended up playing our music loud as we tossed the concrete chunks at various targets in the giant pile of stones. We danced and made each other laugh. We were even told to quiet down by a guy in a big truck. That made us laugh even more. On the way home, we stopped for a couple of drive through cheeseburgers, and we went home. And this day that started as chores quickly became a great experience for us. But then again, we had no expectations. It was the dump after all. Now the challenge, of course, is avoiding these expectations that precipitate from positive memories of places and people. I can't just keep taking Jessica back to the dump whenever we need to spice things up. I mean, I'm not made of money. Perhaps now more than ever, after we've all been sitting alone with our thoughts for a few months in a row, we are looking forward more than ever to seeing the people we miss so much, to visiting the restaurants and gyms and all the places that make us feel like ourselves again. And with excitement and looking forward to things often come unrealistic expectations as to how things will go. Let me clue you in. Things are not going to go as your expectations would have you hoping for. And that's okay. At least for me, I'm just excited to be around friends and family again. I'm excited to breathe in the same air as them and to talk to them and to tell them that I love them in person and nothing more. And I'm certain that if I keep my expectations at just these things, which are fully in my control, that I know things will go well. They'll go exactly as they will, which is really all that anyone should ever expect. Now we have one last item to discuss, the title of today's show, which is, what to expect when you're expecting. You all know what this title references. It references the famous preparation manual for first-time parents. So, with that said, Jessica is not pregnant. And just like that, you're disappointed, aren't you? Disappointed in me. Why? Because Jessica and I aren't pregnant? Because you expected this might be a baby announcement? Come on, people. I was just testing you. I thought you just agreed to limit your expectations, didn't you?